All right, it's good to have you at the chapel this morning. We have a special presentation. Uh, I am having a, I'm doing the baby dedication of my first grandchild today. And hold on, at the end of uh, December, we have number two, little Alexander will be dedicated. I'm telling you, we're flying in people all the way from Puerto Rico for that one. They, they're going to, we, we, you know, Sabelle says, Mom and Dad, you know, it's not like in Puerto Rico where they're doing like an hour baby dedication, but, and, and not everybody can't sing, and everybody, but we're going to have something special for our little babies in our church and what they mean to us. And, and today I'm going to ask Heath and May and Malachi to come up to the front. And then I'm going to ask Gwen. And then I'm going to ask Luke and Sabelle. We're going to ask all the Millers to come up here. Luke and Sabelle and Alexander. And Mark and Ashley and Brooke. Come on up here. These are, these are the proud children of Gwen and mine. I don't think I've ever been as confident holding somebody else's baby. You have anything to say? <laughs> Apparently not. One of the only Millers that don't have anything to say. <laughs> Let me tell you, this as our church and in, in what we believe as a church is uh, some religions believe in like a water baptism or a sprinkling for the infant but we believe in a baby dedication and why this is so important is because we believe that the parents have the decision as they raise the child for you know the years that they have him in this situation in in their house that they are committing to dedicating him to the Lord and their intent will to bring him up in the way of the Lord. I'm going to ask at this time the, the family professional, Gwen, to, to hold Malachi. And as you know, these are the now the uncles and aunts of little Malachi. But let me just speak to Heath and May for a while. As... <laughs> As you know, Heath and May, you've been raised in the way of the Lord. And at an early age, maybe not even recognizing the day that you actually made a decision until you actually made that confession with your own mouth and believed in your heart that God came and died on the cross for your sins and then you put your faith into him and received what he did. Now, at this time of a baby dedication, what we do as a church is we ask you, as you've already committed to me, that you're going to raise Malachi. Our whole family is here as a representation, and our whole church family is here as a representation, that we as a family will bring him up in the way of the Lord. What does that mean? Not that we are snoopervisors in every area of his life, because I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm not mother and dad already done that 
But at the same time, I have an influence as the grandfather, and you have an influence as maybe an aunt or an uncle or maybe as a, a church friend, that in times of uh, encouragement that you're there to speak into the child's life and as they grow. And some of you that are here today realized when, when Heath and May were just little children walking around, and maybe you had more to say than, hey, hey, don't run in church. Maybe some of you taught them in Sunday school or in a children's church situation. And today, they're here partly because of your influence on their life. So this morning, as we as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and friends and relatives of the, the little baby that is being dedicated, that what they're saying is they're going to put him in the place of truth every opportunity that it's spoken. Sometimes it will not be convenient Sometimes he'll wake up and he'll say, Mom and Dad, I don't think I'm going to church today, like all of these have done in, in the Miller family. And after the chuckle stopped, we said, get in the car. But over time, there's one place that they knew that they would be every Sunday, and that would be in the house of the Lord. At this time, I'm going to ask Gwen to give the presentation. Ethan May. That rose is white, and it represents the purity in Malachi. You know, he's, he's a blank slate, and God's called you to write on his heart. So I encourage you to do that with your words. Tell him who he is in Christ Jesus. Tell him about his purpose. Explain to him about the goodness of God. Let him know that following the Lord is the best life. So that rose represents his little life and the blessing that he is to you and the rest of our family. May the Lord give you wisdom and grace you as his parents. Would you give him back to the mother and dad? We'll lay our hands on him and pray for him. And I ask you guys to move to the middle of the platform. And aunts and uncles, if you'll gather around him and May and Heath and put your hands upon him. Would you again pray for this little boy as he grows in the way of the Lord, and also for mom and dad, because mom and dad have struggles and, and questions and, and try to do it the best way, but you know as well as me that unless they yield to the will of God, and sometimes that's just being patient, and that's what we want to pray right now over their life. Father, right now, God, you have so much in store for little Malachi, and Father, we know that by your grace, that, God, everything is possible. And, Father, we pray right now for this life, that as he grows in the way, God, that everything that is spoken over his life is of you, God. People that know you, believe you, have faith in you, would begin to speak in his life. But, God, more than anything, that the word of God would begin to shape his identity. The God that fear unbelief and doubt would not take over his life, but God, that he would be a man of faith and be able to speak faith in times of difficulty, that he'd be able to see and speak and testify of your goodness throughout his life. Now, God, I pray for May and Heath. As the parents, God, as you give them direction, and Father, if you have, as you have raised them in the way of the Lord, that God, that they would again in turn raise their children in the way of the Lord. God will give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys may be seated. Let's give them a hand.
Let me tell you, we uh, celebrated Thanksgiving this week like most of you did, and it was a wonderful time. Gwen's family was able to come down from uh, Oklahoma and up from Houston, and I think we had 16-some people in the house. Isn't it amazing that you can have 14 adults and two babies, and it's like 35 people in the house? And it is exciting. I love a full house. We had two babies, and everybody wanted to hold them at the same time, and so it was a great year. This morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. This morning, I want to take you kind of on a journey of where you are now to hopefully a better place. Because what I know is 2021 is about ready to end, and everybody said, amen. And 2022 is on the horizon. Now, I know that we're in the December month, and the December month focuses on Christmas, and we're going to focus on Christmas, but I want you to be here in the month of December. We, we just ended, you know, November, and that service last week about looking back on the wonders of God and the goodness of God in the church. And we're going to go through December and January. And one thing that I encourage you to do is gauge your emotions. Because the Word of God will change your thinking, as we know. And words will change your thinking. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the world's going to go down. It's going down. Words can change your thinking. And when your thinking changes, it changes your emotions. So, So emotions are so important because then it'll affect your choices in your life. So this morning, I want us to start a journey on watching our emotions because I, I, I'll just say this. I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll guarantee you, if you're here in the month of December and January, you will see your emotion level go up in a good way because we're going to be speaking more faith and we're going to get to the place where you're going to see and start hopefully looking long and expecting for God to show up in your life more maybe than you have in this up to this point. So let me ask you right here as we start this kind of this time period, would you be willing to bottle your emotional state right now in your life? To bottle your emotional state and give it away to your best friend as a gift for 24 hours? See, some of us would say, you know, I don't know because, you know, I'm kind of this and kind of that. I'm kind of up some and I'm kind of down some. I'm going to speak over your life today. I believe that God is about ready to show up not only in our church's life, but your life and show out his goodness and his favor. About four people that said amen to that. Do you believe that? Say amen. The title of my message today is Public Display of Fruitfulness. See, fruit is payday. Does anybody ever kind of just stop and think when you receive fruit? I'm not talking about an apple and orange. Come on, work with me. I'm talking about being faithful, 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 faithful. God, I believe you. I believe you. And the day that you step into fruitfulness and everybody gathers around and says, what was the one thing you did that made a difference? It was all of these things that I walked by faith and not by sight. Fruit is payday. Fruit is the result of planting. It is the day that comes of harvest. And there's something about harvest that everybody gathers around and reaps what has been sowed and worked for so long. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is speaking. This is the word of God. 
you know, let's really listen to this. Listen. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you, there's this if you, there's a consequences. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now again, nothing of eternal value. There, there's, it's all, as Solomon almost said, it's almost all in vain. It's just like chasing after the wind. But if you remain in him, here's his promise, you'll bear much fruit. In verse 6, if you do not, now this is the consequence, and, and sometimes we get caught up in trying to do our own thing, but he says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and are burned. In other words, they're of no count. All that stuff that we sometimes work on our own to get to a place where we think we should be, it's just not worth it. So he goes back in verse 7 and says, But if you remain in me, this is the good news. If you remain in me and my words, listen to that, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That, that's almost too good to be true. And sometimes our belief system of what we've experienced in our life kind of shrinks back and says, now wait, wait just a minute. Did he say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask some things, things on Tuesday, sometimes when I feel like it, I'll grant it. No, he said, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But listen to this. This is so important of all this context is verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. We live in a world... You, you could say it so many different ways that are hungry and we have good news of fruit. We have food to give them. A world that is thirsty and we have the living water. You know what I'm talking about. We have the answer to the problem of a world that is desperate for answers. And sometimes we think it's almost out of false humility. Well, I don't really have anything to share. I don't really. I'm just. God says it is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit. And that's exciting to me because God's saying, go get them. If you produce fruit, people will see that you're my disciples. And one thing I know is when God shows up and shows out, See, growing up, my mother always said, John, you're showing off. And that was a negative. But let me tell you, today, when I talk about God showing off, do you realize that God will show up and show out and show off or whatever you want to say, and people go, oh, wow. And let me tell you, the difference of good and bad is when you think it's happening in somebody's life that you don't agree with, that's bad. But when it shows up, he shows up in my life, oh, that's good. Can we understand that God is big enough to bless everybody? Okay, good, good. Let's start out. Okay, okay. All right, I might have to take on my coat if you're going to amen like that. Let's go. Do you realize also that you need to produce fruit because our testimony needs to be fed fruit? There's something about looking back and having hindsight and going, yeah, God, God has done all this, but I didn't really see it coming, and I really didn't. I really, whoa, whoa, whoa. But there's something about fruit when we're testifying of what God is doing, and he's doing some more right now, and he's doing some more right now. He's doing some more right now. And a lot of times through the power of our testimony, lives are being changed around us, and that's fruit right there. 
that we sometimes miss. So listen to this. If we do not have a movement in our life, we need to ask God, 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 show up in my life. And here's the thing that I realized that when, when there's no movement, sometimes, a lot of times, that's a sign of stagnation or even death. There's something about somebody that's sick and you go, hey, hey, hey. And they go, huh? And you go, oh, hallelujah. They kind of moved. It's time for us to move. Get up and say, God, I know that you have some great things. And as a pastor of this church, I'm going to speak over your life right now. I believe God is about ready to show up and show off his great favor on your life. See, the, the, the thing is that the foolish things of God can confound the wise. I, I said the foolish things of God, not just foolish things. But the things that God says and gives you revelation that a lot of people will shrink back and go, come on now. Having faith for something is code for crazy to some people. You know what I'm talking about. But God answers our critics. We won't have to. And the truth of the matter is when you say you believe in healing for your body, when you say you believe in paying off your house, you believe in walking in love with people at work even though they're treating you bad and then you'll get promoted, you, you begin saying that and believing it. You know what I mean. Those critics start going, <laughs> they, they don't have a clue, do they? They're naive. But there's something about when God shows up, it's not only to take you into your destiny, to, but to prove to other people that he's on your side. See, you're his children. And it's time for us not... We've, I've talked so many weeks on Isaiah 30, verse 18, that God lifts himself up to look to be gracious to us, to show favor to us. And that seems so good. But it says, how much blessed are the people that look long and expect for the favor of God to show up in their life. I think some of us will look and some of us will long but it's time for us to begin to expect God to show up in our life. When we get up in the morning, we're going, I wonder where he's going to come today. And instead of just, you know, instead of just saying, I wonder if it's today, maybe we begin to, so, so to speak, set out a plate of food and get ready. He's showing up at dinner today. Don't we do that for Santa Claus with the cookies and the milk? Come on now. He is no Santa Claus. He is real. And he's working in our lives. When God does things publicly for his people, those people that begin by shaking their head in disapproval will begin to shake their head in amazement. And that's what I'm going for today in our church. See, David said this. In, in, in the famous chapter of Psalms 23, that you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You go all the way down to Psalms 23 and verse 5, and it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. David is saying it is a public place that nobody can deny because it's right there and they can see me. See, when, when people are going, I don't know, that was a coincidence, or here's the word, he was lucky. No, no, no. God has prepared a table right here in the presence of my enemy. And, and you can see it's a, a, a bountiful feast that God says, come on over here. I got them sitting over there watching and they can't do anything and I'm showing my favor to my children. Sit down. That's a public showing. Everyone sees and why that you're promoted. It's because God is in your life. 
See, this is one of my favorite passages, scriptures, and some, some of you need to take a picture of this. Because this is out of the message translation. And sometimes we get to believing and expecting and looking and long. We begin to do all the things right. And it comes with patience. But sometimes we need to realize that we have the authority to be able to say this as David did. In Psalms 86 verse 17 it says, Make a show of how much you love me. Can we ask God to do that? He said it. David did. Make a show of how much you love me so the bullies who hate me will stand there slack-jawed. Has anybody here been bullied in your life as a child? Maybe Maybe last week. If you've ever been bullied before, you know usually it's somebody that is trying to intimidate you. Trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but really to show dominance over who you are in your identity. And David is saying, God, I I want you to show up and show favor to me to the place where all these critics... And Can I just tell you, if you don't know the Bible, David knew critics. His brother criticized him for showing up to the battle with the wrong motive. His father discrediting him. You know, do I have another son? Do I have another son? Yeah, he's out there somewhere in the... That's the same guy we're talking about, David. We know that the king of the day saw... Saul is on the battlefield and he thinks it's a joke when this little guy comes up and says he'll fight Goliath. He says, are you kidding me? He's a warrior talking about Goliath, but you're just a little boy. But David knew something that Saul forgot. And that his favor, the favor of God was on him because he was part of the circumcised belief system that said, God is on my side. So what he did is he said to to Saul, hey, God has already showed up and showed off in my life with a bear and a lion. And I'll tell you what, I believe that it's going to happen again. So just give me the go and I'll go. And if you don't understand how much go was in David, when he goes to the battle, it says that he was speaking to the giant, you uncircumcised. In other words, you don't have the favor I do because you're an unbeliever. But he says this, he says, today you will be dead. Do you remember the story? The part that always ignites me that I even mentioned last week is that David began to run towards the enemy. Talk about someone that's looking, longing, and expecting God to show up. Do you think that David for a minute wouldn't have been in that place if he would have ran towards the enemy? He might have played the Muhammad Ali kind of dancing Bob and, you know. But all of a sudden, if you think about it, David is a champion. Now, now think about it. He, David could have defeated Saul, I mean, uh, uh, Goliath on the back, 40. He could have done it in a private duel over here on the backside of the, the valley that everybody was meeting in. It would have been some. It would have been great. But God publicly showed up to show his faithfulness and his favor on his child's life to display David's fruitfulness of believing in him. Now, now what's amazing to me is in this story is that this is Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody's there. Talk about publicly, it was even a next step. I mean, we're talking about all the the armies of both uh, countries were there. They knew the consequence. They knew everything. The, The stakes were high. The Saul, you know, the king was out there with all his generals. Everybody was there. God says, I'll do this publicly so nobody can deny 
then I'm on David's side. Listen to it again. Make a show of how much you love me so the bullies who hate me will stand there slack-jawed. Do you think that that happened when David had one hand with Saul's sword and one hand with Goliath's head? I mean, Goliath's sword and head in his hands? I think that that was proof of how much that God showed up to show how much he loved David. And I think that everybody there, including his family, was slack-jawed. Do you realize, we never hear, to my knowledge, that David's family ever says anything negative against him again. I mean, as far as that goes. They were probably saying, now where do you want your luggage now, David? I'll put it right there. Saul, that criticized him for being too young before he killed Goliath, then goes to the place of going, whose son is he? Who is this guy? Now there's an interest in him. Do you realize that the tribe or all the tribes of Israel, all the people of God chased, all of a sudden they got full of motivation and incentive to defeat the enemy just seconds after David defeats Goliath. Do you understand the consequences of a God that loves his children so much that he publicly shows up and shows out how much favors on a person's life that all of a sudden all these people get the ripple effect? All the people of God began to chase the enemy. Finally, I heard a story about a man that went to Houston because he had a form, a rare form of cancer. And I don't know if you know it, but Houston has got some of the hospitals that are top rated in the whole country in cancer treatment. And the man went to this hospital and he checked in and and this is, was such a rare cancer that they, he was assigned a specialty team of doctors. And matter of fact, the physician that treated him was one of the most well-known in the country. And he, he gave him the, the diagnosis of the cancer and said, you know, that uh, unfortunately I can only give you three to five years life expectancy. And the man said, I understand. He said, but I'm a man of prayer and I'm going to pray. The doctor was very polite, but had a mindset of medicine and science and said, well, unfortunately, this kind of cancer doesn't respond to prayer. The man left and, and went through the treatment at, uh, earlier, and then he left and went home, and then he came back, and a few months later, the, do the doctor was looking at the chart, and he called in the team and said, no, what, what's, 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 what's up? And so he, he finally realized it wasn't the wrong chart that he was looking at. But he went in and told the man, he said, 40 years of my life I've done this and I've never seen cancer like this kind of cancer disappear. And he said, do you remember me? I'm the one that said I was going to pray. I believe in prayer. The doctor said, are you kidding me? You prayed? He said, I've got to have all the information. What did you pray? How long did you pray? What did you say when you prayed? I want to keep it all in my research. Now, listen to me. What was that? It was God showing up and showing off the favor on that man's life and saying, I am still God. I'm still on the throne and he's my child. 
Now, now let me tell you this, that I don't know if that doctor is a believer, but a seed was planted in his life, and the ripple effect of that man's family that got that was healed of that cancer, the ripple effect of the people in his church, man, the ripple effect of us hearing the story years later, that's what God's, uh, the fruitfulness out of a believer's faith will have a ripple effect on us bringing glory back to God. It's not just the healing. That's great. But it's also the ability of God getting glory and people understanding how great God is. In 1 Kings chapter 8, there's a man named Elijah. And Elijah is later said in the book of James in the New Testament, he's a man just like us. But he was a man that believed in who God was and what God said who he was as a child of God. He was considered a prophet, and if you know the story, at that time, the whole country of Israel was in debate of who was really the true God. Was it Baal, was it Ashner, or was it Jehovah? And, and Elijah shows up and puts kind of a, a duel together between these false prophets. There was 400 and 450 of them, so really 850 of them against him. Have you ever had a problem that you felt like you were outnumbered? He was 1 to 850. And the story goes in the Bible that they would build an altar, you know, like a, a wooden altar. And, and I don't know exactly what it was, but I mean, it could have come up, you know, with wood on it. And then they would kill an animal for a sacrifice. And then they had a challenge. The real God, the true God, the prophet could call down fire upon that sacrifice and it would burn that sacrifice up instead of matches or sparks or whatever. The Bible tells us that the prophets, the false prophets, danced and prayed and cried and cut themselves all day until nothing happened, until they realized nothing was going to happen. What could happen? Common sense would say, there's nothing going to happen. But then there was Elijah, who is a child of God. And he goes the other way. He says instead of just having wood and, and not just having, you know, uh, not just having stones to build this altar and the sacrifice, but we're going to pour water over it and buckets of water just to make sure that everybody here, because the country was there watching, this wasn't some little thing. And the Bible says that water was poured over and over on and they, they made a trench and it went all over the sacrifice down into the trenches and filled up the trenches with water. And Elijah, a man just like you and just like I, just began to pray, God. And at the end of the prayer, God said, I'll show you favor. And out of the heavens comes this fire and burns it up. And at that moment, everybody there that had one foot in and one foot out all of a sudden made a decision who to serve. But here's what I want you to see. And I want you to hear this because I'm speaking to somebody here today that actually knows something that I'm going to speak to. The Bible says not only did the fire burn up the sacrifice and the wood, and even the, the water licked up the water in the trench, but it burned up the stones, the rocks. Now, now, to me, a rock is something that speaks of permanent, right? There's something that you're looking in your life right now and you see it as permanent. 
Maybe it's a wayward child that you've been praying for a long time. And it just is permanent. I can't get a breakthrough. Maybe today you're thinking, there, I, there's, I, I can't. It's permanent. The, the differences in my marriage are inconceivable to some people. And they're, they're unreconcilable to us. Maybe you have struggled with years of overcoming an addiction. Maybe you feel stuck in your career. Maybe those big obstacles, whatever you fill in the blank, seem like a big chunk of concrete. But God has a way of burning up what seems permanent in our life. The Bible says that that fire came down. And after that whole situation, the faithfulness that Elijah had planted, the faithfulness, faithfulness, he had fruitfulness. Because of the favor of God in his life. Can I say it again? Listen to it. God, make a show of how much you love me so the bullies who hate me will stand there slack jawed. When God shows up, the child is conceived, the loan goes through. Faithfulness and fruitfulness is public. Years ago, a guy told me of a story about his friend that was a house mover. And some of you have seen these houses that are on trucks going down the middle of the highway. And you go, wow, how in the world do they do that? Most of the time around here, it's around rush hour traffic. Anybody? Anybody? This guy was a believer. And man, let me tell you, he was a great house mover. In this situation, he had moved his house for hours down country roads to, to get to the back ways, to get to the de- destination that he was trying to get to. And, and he had done it so many times, but this time when they got to the destination and they were unloading everything, ready to move the house into the proper position, they realized that they had forgot the main chain. It was, it was doable, but it was so dangerous that he thought, you know what, it looks like we're going to have to just give up on this day. And come back tomorrow, even though they were hours away from home. And his men began to kind of think it was a day off. But the boss said, you know what, guys? Before we go, I'm going to pray that God will provide a chain. And they began to heckle him and call him, you know, Father John or whatever, you know. And what is God going to do? Rain down chains, boss? Come on. And he said, well, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. And I'm not going to be guilty of that. So let's just pray right now. They kind of snickered and he began to pray, God, I need a chain. If it's possible, I know you are doing the impossible all over the world and you can do it for me. Amen. It wasn't long before they heard this sound of an old pickup truck coming down the road. And right where they were out there in the country was a curve. That old pickup truck went around the corner a little too fast, and in the back of that truck, you got it, was a chain. And out of the back of that truck came that chain just rolling right up into that dirt right by his feet. He says, boom, there it is, and he got it and went back to work. He says, guys, let's go. If you've ever been in a situation like that, you go, wow, I've been there. If you've never been there, you go, oh, come on now, Pastor John. You've never experienced God showing up in your life in a way that there's no critic that can deny it. 
that the critic stands there slack-jawed in this story. They say that the men that were uh, making fun of the boss never made fun of him again when he talked about godly things. But then instead of laughing, they kind of began to inch up and listen in more detail. Now, what, what about that? Tell me more about that, boss. Because now they didn't just talk about it or hear about it, but they experienced it for themselves. Let me remind you that sometimes God shows up and makes a public display, not only for you, but to show people that he's still on the throne and he's on your side. See, there's a lot of people that will say, I'm not going to church but the day that God shows up in your life, they go, I don't know what you have, but I'm going with you this Sunday. I believe that God is looking for those people that are proclaiming that they're his children. I, I'm a child of God. God's looking for those to make an example of to the world that we belong to him. Can I tell you this? It's great, isn't it, to love God? And it's great to study the things and the love of God. And as a church, we get here and we, we, we talk about it. That, that's great. Last week, we, we remembered it, the things that God have done. That is so important. But let me tell you, God says, I want you to experience it for yourself. Because see, all through our lives, as we've talked about and studied in previous sermons, that a lot of times our belief system has been altered over our experiences. Therefore, our choices will never put us in an experience again to believe that God can show up in our life and show off and say, He's mine. I think about Paul and Silas that's in jail. They're not supposed to be there. They could have had all kinds of negative and critical and complaining Aren't we good at that? God, let me tell you one more time why well, I shouldn't be here. But they begin to praise and worship God right there in the jail. And if you know the story that in the middle of the night, they're the only one worshiping, but everybody in the jail gets affected. Because an earthquake comes, the jail falls apart, the warden comes out of the bedroom and says, Oh no, the prison. that means he's going to be killed if all the prisoners are gone. Paul and Silas says, nobody's gone. Do you remember the words that are coming out of the warden's mouth? What do I need to do to be saved? When God shows up and shows all publicly for you and shows favor in your life, people set up and say, I, I have to have him in my life. Let me tell you one more biblical story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's teenagers, and an unbelieving king is going to throw them in a fiery furnace if they just bow their knee to him. They say, no, we're going to walk in obedience. Let me tell you, it's hard to be obedient and faithful when it's going to cost you something. But for them, they said, we're not going to do it. I, I, if you don't know the story, they get thrown into the fiery furnace and, and you wonder if it's hot enough, but the people that are actually stoking it and are ready to throw them in, they die it's so hot. So it's hot. They throw in these teenagers and all of a sudden the king realizes that there's four of them even though they threw three in. 
And those watching realize that the fourth man is the Son of God. God says, I'm going to show up and I've got your back. And I'm going to show up publicly and allow the king to see with his own eyes. When they bring the teenagers out and they don't even smell like smoke, the king goes the other way. Here's a man that's one of the most powerful men, if not the most powerful man in the world. He knows power. And all of a sudden, instead of saying, they're serving the wrong God or not bowing down to me, what does he say? Listen to the influence of God's favor on their life. Nobody better be talking about their God or they're dead. Oh, they're so dead. They're dead. Nobody talks about their God because no other God could do what their God has done. You see the ripple effect of the favor of God showing up on their life? It happens in your life. Maybe this morning that you were here and, and, and you've been here in a few weeks or every year around Thanksgiving, I tell that testimony of our church and how we relocated to this area and, and just a group of people said, hey, we're going to be faithful. And when God shows up and says, I know who you are because you're mine. All of a sudden, there's faith that begins to build in all of us. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. When you hear how God shows up, when you hear God's faithfulness, all of a sudden you go, you know what? That, that can happen in my life. Now, you're children of God. If you put your faith in God, you're children of God. Think about the people that are spending Thanksgiving with you that are not believers. Or Christmas at work around you. The ripple effect is powerful for you to allow God to show up. And listen, when he shows up, you give him the glory for it. In humility, you say, God, I got all this influence on these family members. Yeah, little Jethro there, he says he'll never serve God. Till grandma prays for little Jethro when he stops getting sick. From that moment on, who knows what Jethro will do in his life? Because God will show up and show favor on your life. And I'm speaking that as pastor of this church. He is about to make public a public display over us. And the question is, can you handle it? I'm going to ask Lisa and the worship team to come back. And I've asked them to sing a song, and probably one of my favorite verses is, He paints the morning sky with miracles in mind. I don't know what circumstance you're dealing with. I don't know. Maybe it is a wayward child. Maybe it is a praying for to conceive a child. Maybe it, it's somebody that's got marriage problems. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe, maybe you're praying that a loan would go through or that you'd pay off a loan. Whatever it is, understand that it is to God's glory for you to bear fruit. And fruitfulness comes with faithfulness. Respond to this message this morning. Because it's something about leaving this place and you hear something and maybe hopefully your emotional stage state changed. 
say, God, I can do this. But there's something about taking this morning and responding to a message in your heart of what's going on and say, this is what I'm doing right now. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm, or what I'm working on. This is what I'm believing for. I'm expecting you to show up in my life, God. Sing this song, please.